This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds. It is your weekly spot for the Weird, Wacky, and Wild in sports. I'm John Alba. That's not me, O'Brien. That's Jordan Katz. Oh, we got we got inception going on here, Jordan. Hold on. We're, we're taking care of this. There we go. I don't okay. know what happened there. Okay. I, heard, I heard two of me, and two of me is one too many. But <laughs> some would No argue, arguments here. Some would no argue, arguments here. Some would argue two too many. Uh, but uh, that is Jordan Katz in for me. O'Brien McGee has returned to the program. What's going on, Jordan? Uh, happy 4th and all the festivities that come with that to you. Happy 4th to you. Happy 4th to all the viewers. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on again. And, uh, you know, let's get right into it, man. I'm excited. Let's roll. Yes, it is a very special 4th of July week edition of Out of Bounds, which means we'll start Out of Bounds. But before we do, as we always do, we get two things out of the way. Number one, we tell you, if you're watching, join us in the chat by leaving us a super chat. That's how you get your comment read on air. You can just simply put it on YouTube and uh, leave us a super chat. We will read it. Or you go to kynchat.com, leave it there, and we will make sure that it gets read on air as well. But, Jordan, as we do every single week here, it's time for the opening toast on Out of Bounds. Since you're returning to the program, I'll, I'll leave the toast to you, my friend. What, um, what are we toasting to? I'm going to toast to the, to everyone having a happy and healthy 4th of July. And I'm also going to toast to the amount of times we are going to hear born in the USA for no uh, reason at all. For uh, no reason at all. Well, no, before we drink. So cheers to that. Let, before we drink, let's dive Please. into that re- real quick here. Mm. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the usage of born in the USA on 4th of July? Isn't it so patriotic? What do you mean? it's so patriotic i don't understand come on now <laughs> come on nah, listen, it, man, is, like, it is it is amazing how many people do not know that that is a well non-patriotic song. well no it's see i disagree with that notion that it's not a patriotic song okay? sure i think it's a very patriotic song in that born in the usa challenges you to embrace what true patriotism is which is pushing your country to be better that's what i think true patriotism is agreed instead of i like that stamping around with your rah rah red white and blue trousers and the naked cowboy hat not that there's anything wrong with that well i mean technically there is if you go by the flag code but you wouldn't want to tell those people that uh, but yes, you're right. We will be hearing tons of Born in the USA this weekend. So to that, a little ASMR. There it is. Mm. And cheers. Here cheers we go. To that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the way, a uh, little plug here for Deep Eddie's Vodka. It is delicious. Um, multiple flavors, peach, uh, orange, lemon, grapefruit, gluten-free. For those that are gluten-free, John took a little bit of too yeah. big of a swig there. Uh, gluten-free yeah. mixes with anything. Uh, the peach mix is great with uh, like Arnold Palmer. You barely taste it. It's one interest. What I got in here right now. Interest. So no okay. to that. OAP. All right. I'm down with that. We're going to have some fun on this episode. We start with a very fun topic this week because with the 4th of July, it means it's time for the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. Boy, howdy. This is truly out of bounds in the sports world. Joey Chestnut. Looking to defend once again here, Jordan Katz. He has not lost since 2015. Just two years ago, he set the world record for eating 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 
We got Mickey Sudo back. She returned last year after missing 2021 due to pregnancy. This is an all-time event, no doubt about it. But I ask you, Jordan, is it America's greatest sporting event? Because I don't think, personally, anything encompasses America more than Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. You know what's so fun about this competition is it's something that everyone tunes in for, despite the fact that, one, we know who's going to win. If you're you know, of the gambling mind and you're in a state that can legally gamble and you have not looked at the chestnut odds, they're insane. It's like, he's like minus 500. It's unbelievable. Um, It's, it's such a ridiculous event. And yet at the same time, it's so American to televise people eating food as fast as they can. can. Correct. I mean, it is just, I, it's as it's as American as it gets, John. I just have I have never competed in an eating contest of any sort. I have competed in an eating contest. I, I've competed in a wing eating contest. I've competed in a sanctioned wing eating contest, and one that was a hey, how many wings can we eat as fast as we can? What were the rules um, of the sanctioned wing eating contest? So the sanctioned wing eating contest was you had ten minutes to eat as many wings as you could. Uh, they were technically not wings because they were boneless wings. Uh, so I am on the fan. That, I am on the fan that you have to uh, listen. I am. I'm a boneless wing person, which I guess is outlawed, but I am a fan of that. That's not wings. That's not wings. That's chicken nuggets. I, I get it. I'm with it. I understand. Um, but um, so you had to eat as many wings as you could in 10 minutes. Um, no dressing. No nothing, and they were as hot as hot could be, so you could tap out at any time. Um, could you drink water? You could drink water. Yes, okay. yes, you could drink water. And how did um, you do in this sanctioned eating contest? I did fairly average, but I did not win. Um, well, Mia, so. just last week, we'll get an update next week from her. She competed in a rib eating contest. Now, Mia, Mia is about five foot tall, and... But she's a tank. I've never seen anyone her size be able to eat like how Mia does. So I'm let me tell you something. Ribbing contest is no joke. Like that's that's filling quick. Yeah. Well, there's a strategic way you got to do that too. I, I've competed in an in-house unsanctioned hot dog eating contest at my old station, and it was how many hot dogs can you eat in five minutes? And uh, I think I ate five. So I ate one a minute, which I think is pretty impressive. That's not bad. For someone who's not a trained professional. For someone who's not a trained professional and for someone who deals with chronic acid reflux. Yeah, that is not bad. I mean, listen, nowadays with the chronic acid reflux, I did no chance. But um, actually, so I was talking with my brother today and my brother like jokingly brought this up. And I'm going to ask this to you. Is Joey Chestnut, like, if you put Joey Chestnut in, like, a comparison for, like, the four major sports, he can be considered, like, the greatest in any of the sports. If you consider, if you called this a sport and you called it, like, you know, I mean, if like you're, looking, eating, you're strictly looking at his track record of dominance. Yeah. yeah. Well, because right? it was Kobayashi for, like, seven years, six years. Yep. Then there was the whole, like, disaster with Kobayashi where he like tried to storm the stage and everything. It was kind of wild. Um, but uh, last year, Joey Chestnut choked out a protester, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, then, and then kept eating, right? Like it was, yeah. like, it was unbelievable. Joey Chestnut has won every single one since 2007 outside of 2015. That is incredible. So if you're looking at 
pure dominance and dynasties, Joey Chestnut is the most dominant in his sport ever. Ever. And he goes beyond the hot dog eating contest. This is a guy is a world-renowned competitive eater. Keep in mind. Yeah. So I think that when you are putting it in that context, then, yeah, you have to consider Joey Chestnut to be among the greatest American athletes to have ever lived. We're talking Babe Ruth. Actually, I don't even know if Babe Ruth's on that list anymore. Shoei Atani might be on I was about to say. I mean, More on that if he's not American. So uh, more on that in a little bit. Uh, You're talking like Jesse Owens. Yep. You're talking Michael Phelps. Phelps, yep. Mark Spitz. Yeah. Tiger Woods and Joey Chestnut. <laughs> it's crazy. It's unbelievable. It's I listen. It is. It is the highlight in terms of the sports day. I baseball is great on the day, but it is the highlight in terms of. The could sports could day. you? What would be your method to the madness in the hot dog eating contest? What would be your approach? See, I would be so bad at this because my approach would be. I can do this really, really cool. Like my eyes would be bigger than my stomach and I would sit there and I would start like, just going like, I don't need water. I can just do this. And then I'd be screwed. Because that's the thing, you know, they do the dipping in the water. Yeah. They dip the hot dog in the bun in the water. And I did that for my little competition. I was like, I got to try it. That's what the pros. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, it did help me get down easier but you're like eating a soggy hot dog which is like yeah i i I couldn't do that because i'm a big like with food i'm a big texture person like i'm big like i'm a big texture with food person i couldn't do that i don't know how they do it to be honest with you what do you put i I think so you gotta you you gotta have mustard i'm okay with mustard okay you gotta do mustard of some kind you could do a little ketchup you could do ketchup and mustard you could do mustard and relish but you gotta have i think you gotta have mustard what do you think so it took me until like age 27 to come around on yellow mustard, but I did. Good. So now I put mustard on. But truthfully, like yellow mustard would not be my choice of mustard. I would be more into like a spicy brown mustard. Yep, I would agree. would be more my, my flavor sure. profile per se. For sure. But you know what's I, not, you know what's actually don't, you don't sleep on? Spicy brown mustard and a little barbecue sauce. Don't sleep on it. Interesting. It's good. Interesting. It's good. Don't sleep on it. I'd love to know all your guys' thoughts. Leave us a super chat. How many hot dogs do you think you could take down in 10 minutes? What are you putting on it? How are you eating them? Leave us a super chat on YouTube or kynchat.com. Let us know how you're doing that. How many do you think, Jordan, you could take down in 10 minutes? 10 comfortably. Comfortably. Then it would, then it would get dicey. You, you think you could take down one a minute? Dude, I'm a big guy. Man. I know you're a big guy, but I'm just saying. I'm a big guy. I think I could take down one a minute, and then it would get dicey. The the biggest thing is with these speed challenges and stuff, you got to eat them fast. That's and the so problem you- is I, I would come out of the gate eating like like I could eat in the first five minutes. I think I could eat six, and then in the next five minutes, I would struggle to eat the four. I see. Like that would be my problem. Okay, you know, yeah. for me personally. Fair enough. But- well, someone who's going to be eating well this off season. I think it's Damian Lillard, is it not, Jordan? Sure is, because he has finally, after God knows how long, officially requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. What's interesting is that his appeared destination appears to be the Miami Heat. Now, I think it's going to need a third team, John. You know, they're talking about the Nets in the mix. They're talking about the Clippers in the mix. Obviously, there's a couple other teams. 
Um, but it's very interesting that Dame has picked Miami off of Miami's recent run, and it will ultimately mean that probably Tyler Hero winds up elsewhere. I think it's a great fit for the Miami Heat because it gives them another score with Jimmy Butler. But if you're a Blazers fan, many of them have felt like they've been slighted. And I I think they do have a point because Dame has kind of held this team hostage for a little while. So they've taken to social media to criticize him. John, do the Blazers fan have do the Blazers fans have a point here? I don't think they do. It's interesting that you do think they do. I don't think they do. I think of the era of disgruntled superstars that we live in, where guys wheel and deal their own destinations routinely year in and year out, sometimes sure. mid-year. I think the most loyal of the superstars to his team has been Damian Lillard. There have been multiple occasions where Damian Lillard could have demanded a trade out of Portland, especially as they started to trade off C.J. McCollum, and they started to dish out some of their other assets, and it became clear that there was going to be a rebuild even as they gave him this contract. For me, Dame has earned the goodwill to finally, at this juncture, be able to say, no, I think it's time for me to go. It is interesting timing that he does it after a lot of the big free agents have signed already. Perhaps he was waiting for some dominoes to fall and see where things would shake up. But as far as I see it, man, few superstars in this league have been as loyal to their market, specifically a small market like Portland, in the way that Dame has. Here's the tough part. The tough part is Dame, with with no like with no fault of his own, Dame held this team hostage for a few years because he was trying to get them into a position where they could get a superstar, right? And he kept on trying to push it and trying to push it, but he also wasn't healthy. So he couldn't have the superstar around him because he wasn't healthy and they couldn't go all in on it. And they never gave him the opportunity to kind of request a trade and he never wanted to request a trade. And there was this big back and forth. Now, fortunately for them that they finally have the guy of the future in Scoot Henderson, which gives them the opportunity to move Damian Lillard. But he did kind of hold the organization a little hostage by saying, I want you to go get a star. I want you to go get a star. And then the star would turn around and be like, Hey man, I'd like to play with you, but you ain't healthy. Uh, and like, I, I, you know, it's, they're not willing to go be that guy with Damian Lillard. So it's a very interesting situation because I almost feel that both people are right. Like, I almost feel like the Blazers have a point because, you know, the Blazers fans are like, hey, listen, you could have done this three years ago. We could be three years ahead of our rebuild already. I, and I Dean, by the same token, could be like, hey, yeah, exactly. But exactly. I, like, well, that's kind of like fine. And and keep in mind, Dame reinvigorated basketball in Portland. Basketball in Portland was dead for a decade and a half, if not longer than that. And Dame almost single handedly reinvigorated it. Yeah. With his ability to shoot from just about anywhere. He's thrown multiple 50 point games at a moment's notice. This is a guy who reinvigorated the game of basketball in his market. And for that alone, Jordan. For that alone, I don't think you can knock this guy. But by the same token, they could be three years ahead of this rebuild already. Like when you deal McCollum and you announce that you're going to separate them, okay, that makes sense. And then it goes south, and this deal could have been done two years ago. And all of a sudden, you know, they'd be two years ahead of this rebuild. So I, I, I get it. 
But by the same token, he did kind of hold, excuse me, kind of held the organization hostage a little by trying to force a star in somewhere Star didn't want to go. I'm not saying that Dame is like not wrong here because I think Dame requested a trade at a good time. It is clear they're going in a different direction. They have a point guard finally. They didn't have a point guard before. They finally have a point guard in Scoot, in Scoot Henderson. I understand that Anthony Simons is kind of slated as a point guard. He's really an undersized two guard. He's really a scorer. But but so, it's also this whole thing is an indictment on fandom, in my opinion, where fandom is so what have you done for me lately? Absolutely. And they're neglecting the fact that this guy was a legitimate franchise cornerstone for so long who was loyal to his city and – you're you're saying, oh, well, they're behind because he was requesting them to go get a star. Well, he wanted to get a star because he wanted to win in Portland. That's, That's what it boils down to. He wanted to win there. It, it meant something to him to be able to try and bring a championship to Portland specifically. The circumstances didn't allow for it. It didn't happen. It is what it is at this juncture. But I think you've got to give this guy a lot of credit. I think fans have to get off the high horse with that. It's as simple as that for me. It's a great point. When he, it, assuming he goes to Miami, because that's where all signs point to him going, and they lose Hero. You know, I and, go to Brooklyn, but that's besides the point. Yeah, but all signs point to him going to Miami. I do think Hero could wind up in Brooklyn, which I actually really love the fit of that. Yeah, I, think I mean, I, that's, I that's like a good him. Fit, but I like I, him shooting off of the screens and whatnot. And they would have between him, Cam Johnson, and Mikel Bridges. I mean, you are shooting the lights out of the ball. I think it'd be really interesting. But let's assume he goes to Miami. Where does Miami stack up in the East? Entering next year. I mean, if you put a healthy Dame and Jimmy Butler there together, plus a well-rounded defensive unit that's well-coached. They're the favorite. I mean, you've got to think that if they're not the favorite, they're very close to being the favorite. I mean, okay. Milwaukee is going to be up there, of course, as they typically are. But you got to figure they're going to be up there. But for all we know, Jordan, there could be another asset that gets added in the likes of James Harden. Because believe it or not, and I know this may shock you, <laughs> James Harden wants a change of scenery. He opted in to his contract, his option, his player option with the Philadelphia 76ers this week, over $36 million, but all being done in order to facilitate a trade. Jordan, this is a guy who's gone from Oklahoma City to Houston, then to Brooklyn, then to Philadelphia. I feel like we're Howard Dean talking about trying to take back the White House. Yeah. <laughs> what is next for James Harden? And if you're a team, are you even thinking about taking a shot on this guy despite how talented he is? You know, what all sport organizations do is they will say, give me the talent and I will figure it out. But no one's and been at, able to do that. And at the end of the day, James Harden is really talented. And so a team is going to take a shot on him. If you're asking me if I think James Harden can win a championship, the answer is no, I don't. And I actually don't think that's a slight on James Harden. I have come around to the idea in the NBA that some players are just not going to be championship players because what it takes to be a championship player they're simply not capable of giving you whether it's that extra effort on defense with that extra rotation whether it's the understanding of when to draw and kick in the big moment instead of trying to force in your hands whatever it is there are some guys that just cannot have the ball late and James Harden is unfortunately that guy and when you factor in the fact that he doesn't play defense very well it's gonna be tough to win with him having said that if I am a team that is looking to roll the dice and say, I can take James Harden and I can make a championship team out of it, 
boy, the Clippers would be something with a big three of Leonard, George, and Harden. It would be worth it because James Harden does not miss a lot and of Russell time. And Russell too, who they restart. James Harden does not miss a lot of time. James Harden can shoot off of these guys. And George and Leonard are not guys that need 20 touches in a game to be a Well, I guess that begs the question then, is James Harden at this point in his career, we know he can still be a prolific scorer, but is he a piece rather than the piece? Well, what's interesting is I think James Harden at this stage of the game is a better passer than he is a scorer. I think he's a better facilitator at this point, which is why if he's willing to be a piece and not the piece, I think you've got a shot. And I think if you're the Clippers – this is a calculated roll of the dikes because you have two guys in Leonard and George who are their contracts come up around either around the time or right at the new CBA. So you can go all in for about 18 months, 24 months. And if it doesn't work, you can have a ton of cap space. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to roll the dice personally. This guy has proven time and time again, though, Jordan, that he can never find happiness. Yes. He can never find it. In the pursuit of happiness, he always comes up just short. Yes. And look, you can say what if. You could play the what if game. If Kevin Durant's foot had been behind the line in Milwaukee, maybe James Harden is an NBA champion at this point in his career. And things are totally different, and our perception of him is totally different. So then you think the Clippers, do you see any other teams being willing to make the risk here? Because you know the, the team that keeps being thrown around to her are your New York Knicks. And yeah. I, I feel like the combination of Tom Thibodeau and and James Harden is a disaster. If And I've been thinking about this all week long, Jordan. I've been trying to not give a hot, takey response to should the Knicks go out and get James Harden. And I don't want to be like those other shock jocks who just give a long, ranting answer without any fiber or any foundation. So if you want yep. my honest, candid response that I've been thinking for days on, as to whether or not the New York Knicks should go get James Harden, hell no. End of response. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, I think the reason that the Knicks are linked to James Harden is because the Clippers are linked to James Harden, which allows the Knicks to be linked into the deal, much like the Nets are being linked to Lillard because they're being linked in the deal. And the deal at that point. I mean, listen, maybe you want to be a Clipper fan. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you want to leave the allegiance of Bird, but maybe you do. Well, uh, well, that's still the allegiance of Bird, correct? That's where Noah is right now. He was. was. That's where he was. Okay, that's where he was. I apologize, Noah. I didn't know. Um, So uh, then, yeah, you don't want to leave that allegiance. Um, I think the Knicks are being linked because Paul George could wind up back to the Knicks in the. That's why I think the Knicks are being linked. I'd love to know where all of you guys think that James Harden is going to end up and whether if you were running a team, if you would even take a risk on James Harden because we know that he is the type of guy who can be high risk, high reward, or very low reward. Leave us that super chat on YouTube, kyonchat.com. We'll read your comments on air. Let's keep rolling, but let's move to the diamond here, Jordan. John, you know what I would be interested in? I would be interested into how many people actually voted for this All-Star game because the MLB All-Star rosters are set with four Texas Rangers starting for the American League based off of fan vote. Now, the Texas Rangers are a great story, but four Texas Rangers starting based off of fan vote is quite an interesting thing, John. Should fan vote be gone for good or is it good for the game? 
So I've been thinking a lot about this. And I Good, really because I've thought very little because I my opinions made up. But God, well, well, no, I I'm I think fan vote should not be the qualifier for All Star Game voting. But I I do like how the NBA does it, where it is a weighted percentage, where the fans get a voice, media gets a voice, coaches and players get a voice. I think that's a good way to determine who is an All Star, and the reason. It's not okay, in my opinion, for fans to be the purveyor of this is because at the end of the day, when you think about accolades in Major League Baseball, baseball is one of the few sports where when you're talking about Hall of Fame, Cassie, all-star games matter. The amount of all-star games that a player makes matters in Hall of Fame, Cassie. And if that is strictly determined by where they play and the fan base that comes out to vote for them, I think that's asinine, Jordan. I agree. I think the other part that's asinine is the fact that the fans control the vote, which you mentioned. Um, when you talk about the fact that, that that all-star appearances matter and they matter to your salary and they matter to how much you make and then they matter to your accolades and then they matter to you know where you stack up and all of that. I, I, to, to put that in the trust of the fans is kind of silly. And it's also kind of silly because if you're a fan of a team, Let's be honest, you can only be so unbiased to your team because of you're going to root for your guys. And as you should, uh, you know, like, I, I mean, if you're stacking up, I, I saw, you know, Mets Twitter freak out over Dansby Swanson being picked over Francisco Lindor. Um, I get it. I understand that Lindor's, you know, numbers in terms of the RBIs and the home runs, the extra base hits and all that. that I get that has, you know, a bigger... Swanson's been a terrific player this year for the Cubs. I mean, he has not missed a beat. I understand the Cubs are not what the Braves are, so you haven't heard Dansby Swanson, but Swanson hasn't missed a beat for the Cubs. He's a fine pick, you know? And there's only so much unbiased that you can have as a fan when you watch your guys in and night in and night out and you root for your guys. So it's a very hard spot, I think, to put the fans in. And I think he nailed it. I, I would like to see the MLB do kind of uh, what the NBA you, does. You just said the MLB. I got to roast you on that one. You know, that is... I would like to see MLB <laughs> do what the NBA does. The yeah. problem is I do not trust Major League Baseball's writers if we put them involved in here. And I don't necessarily trust people inside Major League Baseball that cover it to vote this way as well. Then make it a player vote. Make it a coach vote. That I would be more a fan of because I, I I don't love the idea of the writers doing it. I mean, that's essentially how the rest of the rosters are determined. You know, you know, the writers have already drawn straws for who has to not vote Otani MVP to be unanimous. Like that guy's <laughs> already writing out his article. Anyway, Otani. He's already like writing out his article, so that he's got it prepared. He can check it four different times, run it. Yeah. Hey, man, listen. You think this is good? Is this okay? What do I got to put in? Is this all right? Okay. I don't think there's any way Shohei Otani isn't unanimous MVP this year. I don't, I don't think so either. Any way in which that so doesn't either, happen. But look, for Texas Rangers, and, and it's an interesting parallel, Jordan, because, you know, we're not that far removed. You know, we're maybe about 10, 15 years removed from an era where an entire AL All-Star starting lineup were Yankees and Red Sox. Yep. And now we're seeing four Texas Rangers and everyone's freaking out. But the Rangers have been a good team this year. Yeah. And there's a fair good faith argument, in my opinion, to say four of their starting lineup are potential all-stars. 
So is it really that much of a problem? I think the problem just is the fan vote being the be all end all. I don't think the problem necessarily is the fact that the fans vote. I think it's just that it, it, it can't be the be all end all. We got to have another system in place. I, I just that's that's yeah, just my. And I mean, look, if you're going on merit here, listen, Aaron Judge was playing at an MVP level before he got hurt, but the dude's missed a month of the season at this point. You know, he's going to be out for the game. So, what's the point in, in voting for him if you're voting for a starter? You know, absolutely. I, I mean, it'll go on his accolade as he made an All Star team at the end of the day, but uh, it does become convoluted in that sense. And uh, yeah, look, the Yankees only had two All Stars this year. What and if you're world? major, if you're major league, I mean, the Mets only had one. If you're major league baseball, you know, you can put the accolade for Aaron Judge, right? You don't need the fan vote there. You could be like, hey, listen, Aaron Judge, we're giving him the fan, we're giving him the vote, and um, you know, he can't play, so don't vote for him. Like, yep. and your bases are covered. You're good. Yeah, and that opens up the opportunity for somebody else as well. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you as well. But sticking with the Yankees, here's your boy. Mm. My guy. Yeah, Aaron Boone, Yankees manager. He was ejected for the fifth time this season. It is July 3rd. He's been ejected five times. <laughs> Plus for arguing balls and strikes on top of the third inning of Sunday's 5-1 loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. The Yankees looked putrid in this series against the Cardinals. Uh, just a total letdown series for them as they enter a very important series with the Baltimore Orioles. And I think the Yankees are playing so poorly, Jordan, that Aaron Boone was like, I got to do something to fire them up. And he gets tossed here. Major League leading fifth time this season. At what point are manager ejections just performative rather than actually productive for their teams? Well, your job as the manager is to figure that out. And the problem that I have with both managers in New York is I don't think they figured it out. I think Buck has needed to get tossed a couple times for the Mets to fire them up. And he has not. Only recently has he started to a little bit. Um, and Aaron Boone gets tossed every other Sunday and, you know, that doesn't work either. So I'm guessing there's somewhere in the middle where you can figure out, you know, how many times, you know, for, for this, the, the spot that I need. For this specific um, instance, George, it goes back to, in my opinion, 2019 with the, my guys are savages in the box. Yes. And that's where it kind of spurred the Yankees to go on a little bit of a run to the ALCS that year. And everyone's like, yeah, that was Aaron Boone stood up for his team. So I think he's felt that ever since then. I got That's how I'm going to stand up for my team. And look, we're not in the clubhouse. We don't know. But to right. me, this is just so performative. You know, I went to the Met game on Friday night when Robertson gave up the home run. No big deal. Well, you went to a game they lost. How about yeah, that? Big surprise. Um, that was actually the first game I went to that they lost this year, which was interesting. Um, anyway. Gabe Kapler is already doing a call that he's 100% right on. Uh, Brandon Nimmo was allowed to advance and allowed to score on a ground rule double when he was nowhere in the vicinity of third base. He was halfway in the baseline between second and third, and he was allowed to score because they deemed the judgment that he would have scored. Gabe Kapler is arguing. Gabe Kapler is out there arguing. Gabe Kapler is 100% right. Gabe Kapler could get tossed here, and rightfully so, because the Giants had not been hitting for the three games before then. But the Giants were playing really good baseball, and Gabe Kapler didn't get tossed. And in my opinion, that's a spot where Aaron Boone would have got tossed because he knew he was right, even if the Yankees were playing good baseball. So there is this balancing act that I just don't feel he has. Now, I know that's a shock to you, John, <laughs> that Aaron Boone may not necessarily be great at having a feel for the moment and what to do in the moment. I know that's just stunning. 
almost as stunning as Jordan Montgomery throwing, you know, basically a phenomenal start against the Yankees in the first start against them. I know you were shocked by that. (laughs) Should we move on? (laughs) Speaking of the Yankees, don't worry, we're going to go to positives now. Domingo Herman pitched a, a dominant, perfect game against the A's last week, which is the which is Major League Baseball's. You like that? I caught myself. I didn't say the. Thank you. Major League Baseball's first perfect game since King Felix Hernandez did it in 2012. John is a perfect game, the single hardest accomplishment in the big four sports. I'll tell you, man, I've been thinking a lot about that this week. And I want to say this too. You know, it's a very mixed feeling when a guy like Domingo Herman, who was suspended for domestic violence situation a few years ago, when a guy like him throws a perfect game, because on one hand, you're like, it just feels a little licky. But on the other hand, you're like, you know what? A perfect game. And this is why I think it, it very well may be a perfect game takes perfection from more than just the pitcher. The catcher has to call the best game of their life. And the fielders have to play the best defensive game of their lives. Can't miss. And the offense has to put up at least a run. Yep. I mean, Pedro Martinez famously took a perfect game into the 10th inning because his Expos didn't score for him. Yep. So when the Expos were booty and a half. (laughs) And I really think that of the big four, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, I think a perfect game might be the single most difficult thing to do. Yeah, I've been trying to come up with something that would compare. Because in the other sports, if you look at certain things that have become tough benchmarks, they've become more, we expect them once or twice a year. Uh, A 60-point output in the NBA. We're going to get one of those a year. Like Dame, Dame, speaking of Dame, Dame gave us 71 last season. Uh, either last season, the season, I think it was last season. It was either last season or the season before. But when he had one of those, you know, if we're talking about football, right, uh, somebody's going to flirt with like 500 passing yards in a game. Somebody's going to flirt with 200 receiving yards in a game. They're not always going to hit it, but somebody's going to flirt with it during the year for sure. Um I think the hardest thing to do in a single game, if I'm not picking a perfect game, I think I would go to hockey and I would say, if you can score in all three ways, you score on power play, you score shorthanded and you score five on five. Yeah. But that I is hard to do. The pressure is not comparable. Exactly. Because it's hard to do because not a lot of guys play both ways at that level. You don't have a lot of guys on your first power play unit and then on your first penalty kill, you just don't have a lot of guys in that spot. Yeah. But you're right. The pressure's just not – it's not comparable of a perfect game. So I've been trying to come up with, like, what would compare, and I don't really have anything No. because it doesn't just take the guy on the mound. Like, it's all nine being in lockstep, and that's – I mean – you know, if I'm throwing for 450 yards and, you know, I've got Jamar Chase lined up on a number three corner because the number one corner went out. Hello, I'm going there. Yeah. You know, for three plays in a row. 
Yeah, and look, I saw some people just kind of like, well, it's the A's, you know, obviously. You know, <laughs> the A's. If that's the case, why didn't it happen this year to this point? Exactly. You know? And I think when you put into perspective, this is the first time we saw this in 11 years. And there, there was a period of time where we were getting a perfect game like every couple of years. It just was happening randomly. I mean, the Yankees, 98-99, they throw a perfect game back-to-back yeah. years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that's the expectation, right? Uh, but And Mike Messina came one pitch away from doing it mm-hmm. in Boston before that was broken up. And Armando Galarraga had to – see, and that's a good example because I think of that gut-wrenching feeling that I had when that was taken away. And I'm like, you knew it was so special and it was taken away. Would we remember him as much if he actually pulled it off? I mean, I think you would remember Armando Galarraga pitching a perfect game. I would hope so. But, yeah, I mean, that is one of the most, like, gut-wrenching moments I can remember in my sports fandom. And I had no vested interest whatsoever in the game. But because you root for – you recognize that something like that is so special. And so few is 24th of all time, uh, this Domingo Herman perfect game. And it's so many times it's those unexpected people that end up in that position you know you're you're in pursuit of something great and you come up short every single time until one day it clicks just like how it was able to click for ricky fowler this week finally for him he won the rocket mortgage classic this week his first win on the pga tour since 2019 but there's a problem jordan people didn't see it live cbs was not carrying his winning putt in a playoff as it happened, even as he beat Colin Morikawa and Adam Hadwin on the first playoff hole with a birdie. What is this an indictment on? CBS or just the absolute disaster that has been going on in the PGA Tour the last calendar month? It's a it's an indictment on the PGA Tour. It's an indictment on the way they cover golf. It's an indictment on the sport as a whole. This is a sport that is growing in popularity by the second. The amount of people that are trying to play it, the amount of people that are playing it, whether it's at a high school level, college level, uh, trying to get their card, um, switching sports, J.R. Smith switching sports going to it, uh, or it's just somebody picking up the game locally. Um, This is a game that is growing exponentially, and they have not figured out how to cover their sport for one second. They are terrible with streaming. They don't do a good job of bouncing from hole to hole. They don't do a good job on marquee events in terms of making it accessible. The Masters is not accessible until 3 o'clock on Thursdays and Fridays. Are you kidding me? Mm. It is not accessible on the e on ESPN. It's not accessible until Thursday and Friday at 3 o'clock on ESPN. You have to go to ESPN+. Plus. It is ridiculous the way they cover this sport. One of the fastest growing games in America, John, and they cannot figure out how to cover it. It is mind-boggling. It's a sport that everyone can play. Mind-boggling. You could be... 22 or 72 and you can play the sport mind-boggling i don't disagree with you i think the pga is just in a freaking tailspin coming out of everything that's been going on uh the inability to create stars the deal with live that is now going to be going to court with players testifying against it this is a disaster all the way around and it overshadows a great accomplishment ricky fowler is one of the more likable guys in the sport players love him And he went through this winning drought of four years where five years almost where people are hoping to see him finally win a big one. And he does. He wins in a playoff nonetheless with two other guys who are young rising guys, especially Morikawa. I mean, Morikawa is a great player. 
Absolutely. And, Adam uh, Hadwin's no slouch himself. Adam Hadwin's mm-hmm. a really good Canadian player. Like, these are two really good guys near the top of the sport. And how it... <sighs> Yes. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get how well, a sport top. that is trying to expand its brand cannot figure out how to cover the sport for four days and you get so many cracks at it. Yeah. Like Especially this sport, in the summer. Especially in the, the summer, summer when there's so not much many else cracks at it and you cannot figure it out. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's so frustrating that I have to go to masters.com and watch featured groups. I can't even watch the whole tournament. I had a guy, I had a guy that I know um, from my hometown who wound up playing, uh, made the cut for the U.S. Open, right? Made the cut for the U.S. Open, goes in as an amateur. He's playing the, the last tee time on Thursday. He's playing in the middle of the day on Friday. There's no way to stream that that group. How is there no way to stream that group? There's only so much space to go. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. But I do know what you want is the beast of the week. This was a segment you haven't had a chance to chime in on it yet, Jordan. This is inspired by our weekly conversations. <laughs> Who was the most beastly in the sports world this week since you are the guest host here i will throw it your way who was your beast of the week i am partial to ricky fowler because i think what he did is incredible his game was toast his confidence was shot and he found a way to change his swing he found a way to revamp his game one of ricky's uh buddies that he plays with in the offseason and part of the ricky jordan spieth justin thomas crew is smiley kaufman smiley kaufman was an unbelievable player but mentally you know sky smiley has talked about it like he didn't couldn't get there. And so now he's a commentator. He's a wonderful commentator, but to go away, basically go away from the game and then come back and win. I even, you know, the rock and is not a slouch tournament. Um, and to, to be able to win is, and to be able to win after the U S open heartbreak is really something. So he would get my beast of the week. And then a, a, a kind of a, a one, a to Pete Alonso, who's going for a three P cause I was not a hundred percent sure Pete was going to participate in the derby. So a little one A there, Pete. Shohei Otani is the beast of the week, man. I this guy has proven himself continuously, but especially this week, uh, that he is quite frankly, and and this is not hyperbole when I say this. And I feel like this week really cemented it for some reason. I mean, we saw the near five hundred foot home run. I think he has cemented himself quite possibly, Jordan as the most talented person to ever play Major League Baseball. I think he might be the... And I'm not going to say he's the greatest player of all time, because that's there's still so much career left. Yep. But he's certainly on a trajectory where he could potentially claim that title one day. But I don't think it is hyperbole to suggest that this man might be the most talented individual to ever play the game of baseball. He's definitely beast of the month of June. Five home runs this past week, For sure. including one that went nearly 500 feet. Uh, just absolutely insane. I'm doing a, a quick count here. He had one, four, seven, eight. He had nine hits this past week. Um, and, of course, by the way, he pitched. I don't know if you heard yeah, that. Yeah, no, no big deal. He does that, too. 
uh, gets voted into the All-Star game. I'm a big fan of recognizing greatness when it's in front of you. And I think we are witnessing, truthfully, maybe the greatest talent in the history of the sport. Do you think that's too hyperbolic? I don't. I don't. We were actually talking about it the other day. My, my buddies and I were talking about it. We were debating if Shohei could get to 2,000 hits, 400 home runs, and he strikes out 1,500. Would you put him in the Gretzky category? Oh, I Gretzky think is not. untouchable yeah. in his sport. Would he enter untouchable I mean, in his sport? People aren't stupid and they're like, oh, it's all about the numbers. Just in terms of talent, in terms of talent, because Gretzky's talent is off the charts and the numbers are there. And Tiger's talent is off the charts and the numbers are there. And Jack's talent was off the charts and the numbers. I, I think you got to put him there. Well, it makes you wonder, A, if he had come over earlier. I mean, he's been in the sure. league five years already, which is crazy. Sure. B, if he hadn't gotten hurt, because keep in mind, he, this guy had Tommy John. That's what people. That's what people don't remember is he had Tommy John. And he got hurt. He had Tommy John, and he still came back early to hit. Yep. Right then, he gets the season taken away from him with the COVID year, where they only play sixty games. Yep. So imagine if this guy had a real shot. I mean, statistically, he'd have a claim at being one of the greatest ever. And he's yeah. still, by the end of his career, he's going to be in that category easily. Yeah, but I, just I think agree. Raw talent, Jordan. I think he has proven himself to be maybe the greatest ever talent to play the game. I mean, this dude's going to have 35 home runs at the All-Star break. It is July 3rd. Is Shohei Otani's contract north or south of $700 million? 700, I'll say south, but definitely north of 500. I think 700 might be a bit much, but I don't fault you for suggesting that number. And if you were to say to me, could it reach 600? I, I, I could see a scenario where it might. As long as there's a guarantee in there that he has to pitch as well as hit for the length of the contract. Because I think it's going to be right. I think it's going to be a lot closer to 700 than people think. And maybe it was. Maybe really it is. Do. Maybe I it really is. Do. That would be out of bounds. This has been out of bounds. Make sure you're tuning in every single week. Every single Monday, we are here with you on the Know Your News Network. He's Jordan Katz. Find him on Twitter for as long as you can, at Jordan Katz 11. Yeah, as long as you can. I mean, as we were on air during this, Twitter announced that Within 30 days, unless you're subscribed to Twitter Blue, TweetDeck goes away from you, and I live and die on TweetDeck. See ya. That's it. That's all, folks. <laughs> That's all, folks, here on Out of Bounds. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.